Why, Hunter? <laughs> Why? I mean, you, you can retire. You've, you've done so much. What compels you to say yes to these interesting people and opportunities and another shot to save the world? Who would say no? Welcome back, everybody. Rich Brubaker, Shanghai-based founder of Collector Responsibility, here today with another edition of the Sustainable Ambassador podcast. Through this podcast, I talk with the amazing people who are doing the work to solve big challenges of environment, economy, and society. This evening, I am blessed to be joined by Hunter Lovins, who I've known for the better part of a decade now. Uh, we ran into each other in Boulder, and she is by far one of the, the heroes that I had back then. And still to this day, I look up at her LinkedIn, I'm like, how the hell does she get so much done? She's been at this for 35 years, co-founder of RMI, NatCap Solutions. She's a teacher at Bard. She is everywhere. She helps Unilever or Walmart our Paul Pullman individual. It's an amazing amount of energy. And oh yeah, she was a rodeo horse rider. Is that right? Yeah. So she knows what it's like to get on a wild animal and run with it. Um, so with that, I, again, Hunter, I'm so happy to have you here as part of this. Uh, we've had some amazing conversations already and I'm, I'm really excited about this one. So why don't you do us a favor, do me the favor, do the community a favor and properly introduce yourself and give a, a personal intro to the work that you've been doing and the mission that you're on. Well, howdy y'all. My name is Hunter Lovins. I work about six different jobs. I'm the president of a little nonprofit called Natural Capitalism Solutions. I teach at the Bard MBA in sustainable management. Mm -hmm. I am then also chief impact officer of a little finance company that a group of us created called Change Finance. We built the first truly fossil fuel free exchange traded fund. I've also been dragooned into things like serving on the executive committee of Club of Rome, uh, steering committee of Partners for Planetary Emergency. Oh, and in my spare time, I do some ranching. Okay, you're, you're working on a lot. What, what's the mission that you're on then? What, what, what brings us all together? Save the earth, have fun, make money in more or less that order. But I'm a little sentimental about this human experiment. I think we can get it right. And yeah. when we do, will unleash the greatest prosperity humanity has ever known. What are the top three things that you're looking at saying, we need to fix exactly these things. And if we do, we'll start to actually unwind this thing in the right way. And like, what gives you hope in that outcome that we'll pick the right three strings? You and I and the rest of the world's taxpayers spend $5.9 trillion a year subsidizing fossil energy. That's just daft. Let's start getting our economics straight. I'm a free marketeer. Markets work if you yeah. let them. Right. Business works. Now, when you get to the vast agglomerations of incumbent corporations, uh, yeah. somebody once called it stinking pools of capital, this is part of the problem. And right. the only way to work with that that I've found is to get into the head of the, the guys, and generally it is all guys, running these things and convince them that they can make more money behaving responsibly. You seem pretty positive about the role of business here and that Walmart's taking the right steps. And I guess if, if that's true, does that mean that we're just not giving them enough time and that this is a function of time versus say intention? It's not fast enough. Is, is, is that the problem? Or is it actually that in reality, business sustainability as a practice, like getting us to here, it, it's just not enough. Can we just let business go its merry way and ultimately it will figure it out? No, because we don't have the time. 
So then what's in your mind is working right now in the sustainability professional realm? What are we getting right? And because it sounds like there's some things that are working, but what, what are they? And then what are we getting wrong as people trying to nudge this thing along? What can we do better? You and me, not, you know, the, the, the politicians, but us as sustainability professionals. Lose our patience. We, we really are out of time. And yeah. we have, we as sustainability professionals have adopted the attitude and, and in part out of a survival mode, most big companies don't particularly want us. They like business as usual. So there, right. there are enormous flows of money going in the wrong direction. We need right. to stop saying, oh, well, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Now we don't because if we're hired by a company, if we're the chief sustainability officer, that's our job. That's how we feed our family, pay our mortgage. We know, we know how bad it is. We know how bad it's going to get. It is on us to say that, to speak mm. truth to power and start saying to these folks, you will make more money if you behave responsibly to people and planet, this is an approach we call the integrated bottom line. You've heard the phrase, the triple bottom line. Companies yeah. don't practice triple bottom lines. However, if I can prove no. to you that behaving responsibly will cut your cost, cut your risk, make you more insurable, make you more investable, make you more attractive to attract and retain the best talent. Once you yeah. have that talent, enable them to be more productive because they're more engaged. Uh, Gallup says that engaged workforces are, what is it, 24% more productive, 21% more profitable. How do you engage a workforce? Enable them to be implementing more sustainable practices as part of their day job, says yeah. Economist Intelligence Unit. So these are Absolutely. highly Absolutely. conventional sources saying yeah. the same thing. Uh, when right. you behave responsibly, you better brand differentiate, you build brand equity, you better market, you better manage yep. your supply chain. This is why Walmart did what it did. They have 100,000 right. suppliers. They actually don't know how many they have. This better enables them to manage their supply chain, reduces yeah. the cost of distrust. Walmart cut in yep. half the number of people who said, yep. I will never shop at a Walmart when they announced their green initiatives. Wow. They, they're about 13 okay. reasons why behaving more responsibly to people and planet is just better business. No polar bears required. So but be why don't they? What what are the barriers to turning <laughs> this? Like you work with Paul Pullman, you work with Lee Scott. What I know they both adopted. So I'm not in any way trying to criticize them or judge the progress they made. What were the what were the challenges they talked about with you? Again, shareholders. You okay, shareholders. Emmanuel right. Faber was uh, CEO of Danon. Committed yeah. the company to be regenerative. He mm -hmm. invested for longer term profitability. That meant yeah. he was not getting the 90 day increase, 90 day on 90 day, quarter on quarter increases that the mm -hmm. predatory investors wanted. They yeah. kicked him out. Now, right. But okay, let's say that Paul Pullman, these leaders, they get it. They're shareholders, you know, they're pushing pressure on them. Separate from that, what are the internal struggles that one of these? leaders faces like are their workforces really that interested or they're like oh come on man like i got this and i gotta do sustainability now attention span ceos are incredibly busy people when you sit yeah. at the top of this basically mass of people who are depending upon you the mm. the weight of the responsibility is huge 
25, 35 years ago, we're talking about a very small group of people who are open and willing and put the money behind doing it. What are you seeing in the market now? Is it is this the time to be making a lot of progress? Do you think that we're going to see a lot of progress coming out of this? Or are we just going to keep yes. fighting back and forth over the old ideas? We're in an interesting position right now in the United States. All of the fuss about ESG, environment, social, good governance, which really is just sustainability or socially responsible investing or corporate social responsibility restated. ESG has gained credibility because a man named Bob Eccles at Harvard said, mm. if this stuff is ever going to be embedded in business, it has to be mandated by the SEC. Yeah. And so, And he said, for the SEC to say this, it has to be proved to be material, which means a reasonable investor would want to know this. Failure to disclose would be considered by a reasonable investor to be dereliction of duty. Mm. So Eccles got his Harvard buddies to start showing through peer-reviewed research papers that behaving more responsibly to people and planet is better business. Well, and so this is where I found, I, I find a lot of this really interesting, and particularly with ESG. I view ESG as, well, it started off as reporting for financial markets, right? But in the right hands, it's a, it's a lens into the future of where your business should be. And so it gives you a great kind of, hey, this is a scorecard today. This is where I am. This is where I'm screwed up. But if you're a financial <clears throat> investor, what, what made me laugh about that whole crisis was people who run that much money, all they're looking for is more information that helps them make more money. If ESG is that passion, path and you have some people who say we're not going to invest in you because that's not the path that and they don't even manage money by the way i actually viewed that as the dinosaurs that died in the meteor have actually gone out of the cave and are looking at the meteor coming at them going hey look isn't that pretty? And they're about to get hit where the rest of them have realized we're sheltered up. We're okay. And I feel like this is, this is a moment where we can kind of split from those who want to hold on to the past. But I'm just curious, like, is it moving fast enough? Will it, no. do you think that we're moving fast enough to solve the problems before we go to the worst case scenarios or are we actually bending the curve now? Well, again, yes to both. No, we're not moving fast enough. Yes, we're bending the curve. About a year ago, I was asked to become a managing director of Now Partners. And Walter asked, would I come to Munich, Rome, Assisi and help him run a set of back-to-back-to-back -back workshops? But as I was leaving to head to the airport to, to go to Munich, I thought, this may be my last trip. My husband's been after me to retire. And I've been asking myself, you take all the things I do, writing books, lecturing, traveling, speaking, teaching, consulting, is it enough? No. Do I know what enough is? I thought, no. Mm. Well, then why go down the road? Why burn jet fuel? Right. So headed to Munich, I thought, this will be my last trip. And that was a bleak thought. Mm. <laughs> Life is what happens to you when you're planning to do something else. In Munich, <laughs> I uh, met a man very senior UN mm. and we sat down and talked and he pitched me on an idea which if we can pull this off is going to be a big chunk of the solution to the climate crisis yeah and my thought was well it's big it's too big I have no idea how to do it nor do I know anybody who could somewhere in the middle of Italy I thought I think this guy can do it right and somewhere else in the middle of Italy he asked would I join him and I looked at him and I said 
I will ride for your brand. Why, Hunter? <laughs> Why? I mean, you, you can retire. You've, you've done so much. What compels you to say yes to these interesting people and opportunities and another shot to save the world? Who would say no? If I think I have a shot at it, I got to say yes. You get a, an opportunity to take a shot. If you know there's no shot there, yeah, you can stand down, give in to the inevitable. We're all going to die, hmm. but not today. And if you think you have a shot, you've got to take it. And I said to this guy, we may fail. We will not give up. It's not in cowboy's language to quit. So what do you get if you win? Because you know the downside risk. The downside risk is guaranteed. You're going to die. What's the upside to giving this a shot? I have a uh, quote on the wall above me from Ladzu. Mm. Leaders are best when people scarcely know they exist. Not so good when people obey and acclaim them. Worst when people despise them. Fail to honor people, they fail to honor you. Mm. But of a good leader who talks little, when their work is done, their task fulfilled, the people will all say, we did this ourselves. If we can pull this off, I'll be able to set my horse with a smile. The reality is you're, you and this gentleman are going to get down the path, but probably not summit the mountain on your own. You'll need a lot of people behind you and you'll need people to follow after you as well. You put in your effort. I don't want to get to the top and I sure as hell don't want it to be all about me. So how, who is the next generation? What's the next generation look like? <laughs> they are so exciting. This is why I teach. Right. This is in many ways, this is their future. Mm -hmm. The worst of it will hit after I'm safely dead. These young people will not be dead and they know it. And so they are desperate for, right. is there, is there a way forward for them? And of course the answer is yes, because right. we have the technology, the technology, we have the policy, we know what to do. We're almost out of time. So now's the time to go hard. You mentioned that you got to, we got to stop being patient and we need to be out there screaming and I, I, they do, right? Like, I don't care if it's Greta Thornburg or, or any of these others that are out there. They're, they're really saying like, fix this. This is your fault. And I'm curious, is that the right way? Or do you think that they're going to start moderating like we did? Because we used to be out there screaming too. And then we had to get jobs and pay for mortgages. And da, 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 da. Do you think that they can keep that war cry, like, that war cry up? It's an essential part. We need right. young people angry, screaming, demanding. It's going to yes. take all of us. Right. And so I don't object to the young people screaming. I'll, uh, you know, if I'm going into a corporate headquarters and there are a bunch of them standing out front protesting, I'll stand there for a while with them and say, yeah. good on you. Keep going. Yeah. And then go in and sit down with the CEO and say, hey, I was just with the folk outside. If you want them to go away, here are the things you can do. If you do these things, you will make more money. Mm. How about you sit down and talk to them? You just keep trying to find which is the most effective action that you personally can take and right. then do it. What are, what are some lessons you learned along the way that you wish the next generation would just be aware of? I'm not saying that we need to tell anybody what to do, but what are some of the things that you wish they knew to help them get a little further on the path a little faster? You can have a mortgage and a family and still be unreasonable. You can be completely unreasonable. My old boss, David Brower, was uh, what first executive director of Sierra Club. He saved the Grand Canyon. 
uh, the Bureau of Reclamation was going to put a dam and flood the Grand Canyon. And they said, well, but you'll be able to boat up to the edges to see it. Dave took a full page ad out in the New York Times. Would you flood the Sistine Chapel to get a closer look at the ceiling? Lost Sierra Club, their tax exempt status. Dave got fired. So he created Friends of the Earth. Mm. He was then borrowing for operating expenses. His board went, you can't do that. He said, if you have a positive bank balance, you haven't realized the urgency of the situation. They fired him. So he created uh, Earth Island Institute, which he ran until he died. The head of the EPA in a meeting once said, Dave, be reasonable. Dave said, reasonable people have never accomplished anything. Interesting. Be unreasonable All right. and be bold. Yes, you will suffer. Yes, you will pay. Yes, you will get fired and you will create something better. You will find something better. You will meet the most amazing people as I met you, and you oh, will have a ton of fun. Yeah. Best, every morning you get up, you look at yourself in the mirror and you grin. This is where I am supposed to be. This is what I'm meant to be doing, and I'm happy. Mm -hmm.